Good morning. Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. Glad to have everybody watching this morning on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we're going to finish up a series of fortunate events this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. If you want to go ahead and turn to that and hold it. But before we do uh, that, let's open with prayer. Father, we just thank you for who you are. Uh, Lord, we worship you for all the things you do for us, all the blessings, all the answered prayers. We just, we are grateful. Uh, Lord, just forgive us when we fall short and when we sin. Lord, we lift up those on our prayer list and those that are on our hearts and minds this morning that are dealing with health issues and sicknesses. Lord, we just pray for strength and healing. We pray that they feel your presence and they have your peace. And we pray for the doctors and nurses and medical staff and all the first responders and those who are, are working so hard and so selflessly this time of the year. Father, we lift up our leaders in our nation and pray for wisdom. We pray for guidance. We pray for our military and their families. We especially pray for those who are deployed. Lord, we just pray that you keep them safe. We pray for an end to fighting so that they may return home. Lord, we lift up our missionaries and our evangelists and all those that share the gospel. We pray for open hearts and open minds that people receive the gospel and come to know Jesus. We lift up our brothers and sisters in other countries who do not have the freedoms that we have. Lord, help them to stand firm and bold in their faith in the face of persecution. We pray for the church here in America. Lord, help us to do the same thing and share the gospel through the things we say and the things we do. Lord, we just pray that you are with us this morning as we read from your word and learn. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's really interesting, the last week or so, there's been a lot of excitement about something that happened in the sky. Saturn and Jupiter came close together. In fact, it's the closest they have been since the 1600s. And it was a big deal. Everybody was going out and trying to see what we were calling the Christmas star. I did try to go out a couple of nights and see it. Uh, just barely visible here. Uh, be perfectly honest, it wasn't that impressive looking at it with the naked eye. But I did see several photographs that people took through telescopes, and it was pretty impressive to see the, the rings of Saturn and, and see Jupiter and all their moons really, really close together. And it's just interesting because this is one of the explanations a lot of scientists and a lot of scholars have tried to give for the star that we see here in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, other explanations have been that uh, the Magi saw a comet, or perhaps they saw a supernova, a star imploding on itself and dying. But there have been all these suggestions, and the Christmas star was just one of them. So it was kind of neat being able to see that this past week. But what I want us to do as we read is look at what the Scripture says. Just like we did with the shepherd. Sometimes we assume things, or we take certain things for granted. I want us to look at what the Scripture says actually happened and what did not happen. So kind of putting that all together, we're going to begin reading with verse 1 and go down through verse 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, 
because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was. The star they had seen at its rising, it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. I've already mentioned some possibilities, some things that scholars and scientists have tried to suggest was this star. But I want us to look just briefly at what it says about this star. These wise men are magi from the east. They were not kings, no matter what the song says. They were not royalty. But they were political and religious advisors of kings and courts. They were over in the area today we know as Iraq, Babylon, Persia. This is the area that the Jews spent some time in captivity before they were allowed to return and go home. And these were wise men. That is an appropriate word. They were educated. They studied astronomy, medicine, and math, and science. And they often arrived when there was a new king being installed on the throne. But they see this star. And like I said, some have suggested it, that it was this alignment of Saturn and Jupiter that we just saw. Some have suggested it was a comet or a supernova. I want to suggest that it was something supernatural. It was something different than all of those possibilities. Because when we're talking about the birth of the Messiah, when we're talking about God becoming flesh, that's a supernatural event. And there's no reason to try to find a natural or non-supernatural explanation for something that is connected to a supernatural event. It says they saw the star at its rising. It wasn't there, and then it was there. And then what it says is they followed the star. The star appears to have moved through the sky, leading the way. And these magi, and it doesn't say that there are three of them, they leave their homes somewhere in modern-day Iraq and follow this star that supernaturally moves through the sky. And it leads them to Bethlehem. Now, that is speculation. It very well could have been Saturn and Jupiter or a comet or a supernova. But if it was, it was acting supernaturally. It moved. And they followed it and they could trace its movement. And just like it moved, it stopped when it came to a certain place. Stars, comets, planets don't do that. So I believe this was a supernatural occurrence. I believe it happened one time. And while seeing Saturn and Jupiter is kind of cool, or seeing a comet is really, really neat, 
I remember seeing Haley's comment when I was about 16. I can remember seeing the Hellbop comment and other comments. Those were interesting, and those returned periodically. But I think this star that the Magi saw was a one-time supernatural event. It was God leading the way to Bethlehem. But they get there, and they show up in the days of King Herod. King Herod was a madman. History makes it very clear that this guy was not right in the head. We know he died about 4 B.C. He died a horrible, horrible death. He was paranoid. He was always afraid someone was going to take the throne from him, so much that he killed his own relatives. He killed anyone that he thought was a threat. So when it mentions in verse 3 that King Herod sees these magi, and they're talking about a new king, and it says he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him is because they had no clue what this madman would do. He would kill his own family. He would kill anyone that he thought was a threat to his throne. And here are these magi coming out on faith. Now, mind you, these are pagans. But they're following this star. They know that something is happening. They know that there is a new king about to be born. And they would have known this because there were prophecies in the Old Testament talking about these sorts of things. And because these guys were learned men, they studied science and they studied the stars and they studied other scriptures from other places. They would have had these things available to them. And the fact that they were from a place where the Jews had been in captivity Perhaps the Jewish scriptures were familiar to them. We do know that there are some passages in the Old Testament. We've looked at several of them on Sunday night. In Numbers 24, 17 and 19, Balaam, the fellow who we best know from his talking donkey, is prophesied. He's been paid to prophesy negative things about Israel and he can't do it. But in Numbers 24, he says this, A star will come from Jacob. A scepter will arise in Israel. He will smash the foreheads of Moab and strike down the Shittites. Edom will become a possession. This is interesting because King Herod was an Edomite. King Herod quite possibly knew this prophecy. And now these magi from another land who show up when kings are born or kings are deposed and they're asking about the king of Jews. Perhaps this prophecy comes to mind. Especially when they mention we saw his star. We know in Genesis 49, the prophecy says, The scepter will not depart from Judah or the staff from between his feet until he whose right it is comes. And then we know Micah 5.2, out of Bethlehem. That's where the Messiah was going to be born. And all these things come together at just the right time because... It was the appointed time. This was the time God chose. So you have King Herod, who's paranoid. At this point in his life, he's very sick. He's dying. He's a madman. And here these foreign dignitaries show up saying, we have gifts for the king. And Herod's like, who? He calls all the scribes and the religious leaders and asks them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? He does it under the pretense of helping the Magi, but he wants to know. And of course, they respond, in Bethlehem. This is what the scriptures say. Messiah comes from Bethlehem. He's of the tribe of Judah. And then Herod starts doing some dirty dealing. He sends the scribes, he sends the religious leaders away, and he calls the Magi. 
And he makes a deal with them. He's like, when did the star appear? When did you see it? And they tell him. We don't know how long it actually took for them to come from Persia to Bethlehem. Possible two to three years. We do know that later on when Herod realizes he had been fooled by the Magi, he orders the execution of all babies two years and under. So even though our nativity scenes and our pageants sometimes show the wise men, three of them, at the stable with the shepherds, that's probably not the case. It says, as they follow the star, they agree. They said, we'll go find the child, and then we'll come back and tell you where he is. Then you too can come and worship along with us. And the star continues to lead the way until it stops above the house where Joseph, Mary, and Jesus are. That is why I believe it was a supernatural event. It stops moving at the exact spot where they are. And it says they're overcome with joy in verse 10. They are excited. This is a lifetime event. They are here to see the new king of the Jews. And they go in the house. Notice it says they're living in a house. And like I said, this could be from two to three years after Jesus was born. If you remember in the sermon last week, I suggested that it may have been possible that Joseph actually had property there in Bethlehem, or they had family members. But this is quite possibly the same house that they were at when Jesus was born. They're just in the living quarters now. Things have kind of cooled off, and they've got a place to stay. And here are these magi. We don't know how many they are. They come, and they see Mary, and they see the infant. And they fall to their knees and they give honor and they worship. Now they're not worshiping him as a god. There's no indication they understood that he was a god. But they recognize that he is a king and he's royalty. And they're giving him the honor that is due a king. And then they have treasures because this is proper. This was protocol. When you visit royalty, you bring gifts from your nation. So that you can make a good impact on the new king. And it's interesting, the, the three gifts. This is where we get the idea there are three magi, but it doesn't say that. But there are three gifts. You have gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You can't speculate too much. You don't want to read too much into these things. But gold would be a gift worthy of a king. Gold is a precious metal. It was a valuable commodity. And this is one of the gifts they offer to this king. Frankincense. And I've heard a lot of devotional thoughts based upon the three gifts. I've heard, I've heard a lot of sermons and studies. But we want to see what the scriptures say and what they do not say. But frankincense is what you would burn in the temple. It's what priests would burn during worship. It was aromatic. But it was also very, very valuable. It was expensive. It was worth money. And then the third one, myrrh, is an aromatic spice, commonly used for burials. It would have been one of the spices used when they wrapped Jesus' body to bury it. And I've heard a lot of people, and it's divine speculation. Scripture doesn't come right out and say this. 
But given the nature of the gifts, some have suggested that it's prophetic. I don't know that we can go that far and say the gifts are prophetic, but there is a devotional quality to the things that are offered to baby Jesus. And there's probably a practical application as well. But if this was a newborn king and they offered him gold, that was a gift worthy of a king. Unlike other kings, Jesus was also the prince of peace. He was our high priest. And the high priest would burn incense in the tabernacle, in the temple. So frankincense would have been one of the things priests offered up in worship. And myrrh is the one that is so interesting. I did some research. Myrrh was often used as a gift just because it was valuable. It was not always associated with burials. Perhaps that's just a coincidence. Perhaps they offered myrrh because it was festive. It was something that could be used. It was something that was valuable. It smelled good. But we can't overlook the devotional applications here. Jesus was the king of kings, and gold would have been worthy. Jesus is our high priest. And we know that the priest would burn incense in the temple. And myrrh was a burial spice, indicating that this child would die. But let's be careful. That's not what Scripture says. Those are devotional thoughts. It makes for interesting thinking and interesting speculation. What we do know is that these magi brought some very valuable presents and presented them to Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And they honored him. And they gave him the glory because here is this newborn king. And they were excited to be a part of it. And it's interesting because although he is the king of the Jews, and last week we saw shepherds being the very first people to hear about the birth of the Messiah. And now you see these pagans from far away, as Gentile as Gentile can be. But here they are in Bethlehem, bowing before the king. And that does indicate that Jesus came not just for the Jews, but for all men. And we don't know what happened to these gentlemen. We do know that they don't go back to Herod. God spoke to them in a dream, supernaturally. That's why I believe the star was supernatural. But God told them what Herod was planning and said, don't go back to Herod. So they left and they went back another way. The rest of Matthew chapter 2, an angel shows up and tells Joseph, Herod's going to start looking for Jesus and is going to try to kill him. Take Mary, take the child and go to Egypt. And once again, Joseph obeys. When Herod realizes what happened, when he realized that the Magi tricked him and double-crossed him, he orders the execution of all the boy babies in that area under the age of two, which once again shows how insane and how mad he was. But God kept Mary and Joseph and Jesus in Egypt until Herod died. And then God spoke and said, Joseph, come home. And once again, Joseph obeyed. And even that was a fulfillment of prophecy. Without going too far off track, there's a prophecy in the Old Testament that says, Out of Egypt I called my son. And even Jesus fulfilled that. I love the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. I love that song. I think it's really, really interesting. We just had this alignment of Saturn and Jupiter that's caused so much excitement around Christmas. 
But what we can see when we look at this account here in Matthew chapter 2, we see the King of Kings being born. God proclaiming it to learned men far, far away. And they were motivated enough that they packed up and went, I mean, look at a map and see how far Iraq is from Bethlehem. And they went all that way and presented gifts and honored him and were obedient. I love this story. I love all the Christmas stories. I love all of these fortunate events that we have looked at over the last several weeks. And it makes me excited because I love Christmas. I love the Christmas carols. I love the nativity stories. I love the decorations. But as we close up this series, I want to reiterate what I've said all along. We just celebrated Christmas this past week. We celebrated the birth of our Savior. The baby born and laid in a manger. But let's not ever forget. He grew up. He walked up the cross. Walked up Calvary. Took his cross up Calvary. And was nailed to it. To bring us forgiveness of sins. And that. Is the most fortunate event. That could have ever happened to anyone. Because he came for all mankind. Not just Jews. Not just Magi from the East, but for everyone. John 3.16 says very plainly, God loved the world this way, that he sent his Son, that we might have forgiveness of sins. All who believe in him might have forgiveness. What a truly fortunate event for each and every one of us. And that is what Christmas is all about. Father God, we just thank you for this time of the year where we celebrate the birth of our Savior, but Lord, help us to remember that he died on the cross for our sins. That is the reason he came. Lord, just help us to believe and put our faith and hope and trust in him, knowing that one day he will return and take us to be with him through all eternity. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for these events that we have looked at, these fortunate events as you stepped into our world and made a way for us to be with you through all eternity. We just worship you because you deserve it. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate everybody taking the time to watch and letting others know how they can watch. Uh, as soon as we make a decision about when we will meet again in person, we will pass that information on. But until then, continue to look here on Facebook and YouTube for our sermons. Hope you've had a wonderful Christmas. Hope you have a great new year. And God bless.